One of the goals that I had this year for the podcast was to bring you conversations and firsthand accounts from people who are in the trenches day in, day out, applying inclusive marketing principles to the work that they're doing to grow brands every single day. So I am thrilled that for this week's episode, I am bringing you a conversation I had with a CMO, Brian Alston, and he spent time growing brands, including those that have made it pretty high up on the Inc. 5000 list. So the company that he worked, spent some time working for was greater than, he was a CMO there. And he's also worked on brands like Magic Spoon, which has some great gluten-free cereal, and Go Clove. So after this short break, you will hear my conversation with Brian as we get into the details of some inclusive marketing best practices he picked up while growing a number of brands. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well, Sonia. How about you? I'm doing well. All right. Well, I'm excited to dive into some of the things we're going to cover today. But before we get too far into that, just tell the people who are you and what do you do? I am Brian Alston. I've spent the past 15 years of my career mostly in e-commerce, like launching and scaling e-commerce brands, both in the agency world and in the startup world. Most recently was the chief marketing officer of a company called Greater Than, which was a hydration drink for pregnant and breastfeeding moms. And since last June, I left to co-found um, a company called Brand Castle Growth Partners, where we essentially help um, brands who are doing well on e-commerce not only succeed there, but scale into stores. So we essentially handle the entire process from start to finish for their expansion, as well as all of the marketing that goes into their success. Okay. Sounds very cool. Sounds like you're doing a lot of um, a lot of great work. I'm curious, with all your experience over these past 15 years helping these brands, particularly these e-commerce brands, when you hear the term inclusive marketing, what does that mean to you? What comes to mind? So that's a great question. And I would say, um, it's like one thing to point out um, for the listeners, especially if they can't see me, is that I am a, a gay Black man in marketing. I've often been one of the few, if not only, in the room. So for me, when I think of inclusive marketing, I sort of see it as like customer advocacy. Like when I think of like what a true marketing is, it's not, hey, how do we just sort of get people to buy this product? It's how do yeah. you know your customer so well that you can really speak up for them and really advocate for them in the room when you are making these critical business decisions. And because of that, I think that it's really important to make sure that the customers are seen and valued and heard. Mm -hmm. So like for me, when I've always like thought of campaigns and the models that we hire or the types of customer stories that we choose to highlight on our Instagram or, you know, the types of holidays that we choose to, you know, have campaigns around, I've always liked to sort of 
have the full breadth of our customers in mind as we're doing that and making sure that they are not only seen and valued, but more importantly, that it actually aligns with, you know, our business decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm somebody with a lot of differences. That's how I often describe myself. And because of these differences, I am often thinking of people with different identities from a marketing standpoint. It's yeah. it's just a natural way that I think because of my lived experiences and differences that I have. It sounds like because of the lived experiences and the identities that you hold, that is a bit of the way in which you operate and you bring that to your work. What thoughts do you have for people who may not feel like they have an identity that is part of an underrepresented and underserved community? How can they get that mindset to where they are proactively advocating for consumers, as you mentioned it, who have these identities that are often ignored or, you know, kind of afterthoughts? That's a great question as well. And I would say that you should just talk to your customers. It might sound very basic and it probably sounds really sort of simple, but you would be shocked at the number of clients I've worked with where when I ask them the, the question in my kickoff call, like one of the first questions I ask is, tell me about who your customers are. Mm-hmm. Usually the answer is a description of who they are yeah. or who their, their friends are or who they want their customer to be. But when you actually like look into the, the data, and this is why I love e-commerce, Because you have access to that data and you have access to sort of that one-to-one relationship with your customer base. Very often, the people who are keeping the lights on at these companies are very different than the people who are, you know, in the room running the company. And that's (laughs) not to say that, you know, like you have to sort of like totally, you know, shift the entire company's directive. But most brands, especially as they're scaling, have multiple customer bases. They have multiple Mm -hmm. cohorts of people who might all have very different experiences, different behaviors, different cultures. And just talking to people like on the phone or just like sending out surveys or just like paying attention to who's tagging you on social media and just clicking into their Instagram profile and spending a few minutes poking around can give you a lot of really, really interesting insights into, you know, not only who these people are, but the lifestyle that your product that you're selling or your service can fit into. Yeah. So it sounds very simple, but it's something that very few brands are doing, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I talk about inclusive marketing and um, the framework that I have, it's a five-part framework. The second component of that is customer intimacy. You can't really develop any degree of intimacy if you're not really sure who you're talking to or um, who's buying your product, why they're buying the product and how they're using it, right? So I think that's a really great point. All right, so what's been your experience with inclusive marketing for the brands that you've grown? I guess I would, I'll start with Greater Than because that's the most recent one. And I would say that that one was a very interesting one because our core customers were breastfeeding moms. So we have a very, as you can imagine, broad customer base you know, yeah. um, like all moms, regardless of their race, their age, their background, you know, most of them at least try to breastfeed for some period of time. So because of that, we had a very, very diverse customer base. We had customers who mostly lived um, outside of huge cities. They weren't necessarily sort of your standard, like direct-to-consumer marketing cohort. That's one of the mm-hmm. reasons that we were able to appeal to them so well, because we were unfortunately the 
first hydration brand that ever focused on postpartum. And we were also the only one that actively sought them out and highlighted them. Okay. So for me, um, like the very first example I can give of, okay, here was a sort of a gamble that we took was back in 2020, you know, like during June and July, you know, with a lot of the protests that were happening around George Floyd and, you know, a lot of, you know, the racial tension that was going on in the country. Of course, every brand was hopping on that bandwagon. And for me, I was thinking, okay, well, what I don't want to do is inclusive marketing that's really pandering and that mm-hmm. doesn't really feel authentic and really feels like commercial, if that makes yeah. sense. So yeah. I was thinking like, okay, like what is a way to sort of, in our way as greater than, use our platform for good while also being authentic to who we are and who our customers are. So we were a brand who actually spoke up about the Black maternal mortality rates. Yeah. Because again, I mean, like just speaking personally, like my um, like my grandmother, you know, she passed away during childbirth, unfortunately. Wow. So it was a very personal thing to me. But just again, zooming out and looking at our customer base where we did ha- over-index actually with Black women, um, we had like a higher percentage um, than the population would give. I was like, well, this is something that's very important. And instead of us sort of like wading into, you know, like political waters that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. going to be as relevant to this drink, mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, well, we should speak up about this. And instead yeah. of us just sort of being like, hey, let's just post one thing on Instagram and then we're done. Instead, again, yeah. why don't we use our platform and actually highlight the organizations that already exist that are doing such excellent work? So what yeah. we did was we partnered with, I want to say four or five um, like organizations all around the country. We gave each of them their own dedicated email. We highlighted them all individually on Instagram. We really spoke up about it. And again, we didn't try to sell our product with this. It was really just all about them. And a bunch of interesting things happened after that. We had all sorts of customers across all demographics, um, not just Black women, saying like, this is incredible. You know, I had no idea about this. This is something that's so important. You know, I want to give back. And again, we didn't sort of like, filter them through our like website. We just have links directly to these organizations mm-hmm. so people can volunteer, they can donate, et cetera. And that was something that we continued to do even after summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. And we kept speaking up about it like during Black Maternal Health Week, et cetera. Yeah. So that's just like one example, but then just like zooming out again, because we had such a, a diverse customer base. Right. Like we're one of the only brands who had ever done a Hanukkah campaign. You know, that's something that again, like it might seem yeah. like so simple, but we had so many my customers, like Jewish moms saying, I've never seen any brand ever send anything out about Hanukkah in my entire life. Thank you so much for seeing us. Like you have a fan for life. And again, these are simple things. It's not like you have to like have some big focus group. You have to spend a bunch of money, you know, or take huge gambles, but you really just have to one, know who your customer is and like really think about like what's going to delight them and what's going to provide them value in an authentic way. And as a brand, just take a stand. And out of all of these sort of diverse, quote unquote, campaigns that we did, right. I can think of one negative comment we received on social media across yeah. five years. And it was just like yeah. one person was just ignorant. But yeah, we never had any backlash. We never had any people who unsubscribed. So yeah, overall, I think that when it's done in an authentic way, inclusivity can really work and it can be great business. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I feel like I hear voices of people like as they're listening to this and they're like, all right, Brian, all right, Sonia, I hear you. Like we want to talk to our customers, but 
how do we know these identities? Like when we're looking at the data, how do we find out if we our customers are Jewish, if they're Black, how they identify from a sexual orientation standpoint? Do we ask them these questions? Like, how do we find out all this information so that we can incorporate it into our marketing? So what, what do you have to say to that? So if you're an e-commerce brand, um, there's this free tool called QuantCast that okay. I've been using for my entire career. Okay. I'm not sure why it's free because it's amazing, but basically it's just like this little piece of code you put on your website and it gives you a ton of interesting demographics um, data on your customers, including okay. their ethnic background, including age, if they have children, the types of stores they shop at, et cetera. And it's all aggregated. It's all anonymous. Okay. But that's how I knew, hey, we have X percent of our customers who are African-American. We have X right. percent of our customers who are X, Y, and Z. I could also see what types of TV shows they watched. So I knew that our customers, on average, skewed a little bit more, you know, towards the MSNBC type of crowd versus, you know, maybe the other type. So we just had a customer base where I felt they would be receptive to having more, you know, broad and diverse stories being told versus, you know, for example, if I was the chief marketing officer of Bud Light, Maybe that would be a different decision-making process. Maybe there would right. be a little bit more sort of consideration into like what types of things we're showing. So again, like again, Quantcast is a great tool to get objective data on that. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have you know a ton of website traffic or can't get that data, then use social media. You can really just click into your customers' profiles or your followers and just look. You can hire yeah. an intern or yeah. you know a virtual assistant to make a collage of like, hey, here's like what I can sort of see from what they publish publicly mm-hmm. and sort of get a general idea of your customer base that way. Yeah. I also think it's a great idea. These are all wonderful suggestions that, you, that you've that you given. And like you said at the beginning, like it's sometimes just talking to people. So if you like said, hey, I think I want, I, I'd like to get on the phone with some people or do a Zoom chat or whatever, a coffee chat virtual or even if you're local, there's nothing to say that you can't say, I want to host a customer meetup, right? And like old school grassroots talking to people. And I think you'd be surprised, people with brains would be a lot very surprised how much they learn about folks and develop a deeper, more emotional connection by having those conversations. You are so right. Yeah. Like people just want to be heard and seen. And yeah. you'd be shocked at the amount of information people just give you if you ask. Um, yeah. You just like give them a platform to feel like they're really part of like something bigger than themselves and they're part of yeah. helping this brand grow. They'll give you all sorts of really good qualitative data and insights that you probably yeah. won't see in any report. Yeah. I mean, that's really how Greater Than grew. You know, the company like grew extremely rapidly over the past five years because of that customer relationship, mm-hmm. you know, because we did pick up the phone and because, you know, we had our, our best customers where we knew the names of their kids. You know, like, oh, oh, how's Sally doing? Or like, whatever it is. And the other thing is, you know, it's not just about big campaigns. It's not just like, hey, here's this one time a year where we're diverse, quote unquote. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we made sure to post or like, I guess, repost like user generated content. So people who would tag us on social media or send us pictures of themselves with the drink or with their family, we made Mm -hmm. sure to have as broad of a range of moms as possible highlighted. We weren't sort of, cherry picking people that we felt fit a certain aesthetic. We're like, no, we want everyone, all moms yeah. to feel cherished and welcomed. And again, from a business standpoint, not only does that help you draw in 
more people, but it helps you retain those customers. Because if you are someone who has a brand who puts you on stage and makes you feel like you're worthy of the spotlight, you're going to be far more likely to cherish that brand and really build that emotional connection and that intimacy, like you're saying. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Okay. Now you and our back and forth when we were leading up to this conversation, one of the things that you mentioned was how you have been able to really leverage the intersection of performance marketing and inclusion. Can you talk a little bit about that? And also just for those people who might not be like, performance marketing, as I think some people still have like, you know, it's elusive for some people. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So we've sort of given people like a little bit of a preview. Um, Like I would say performance marketing is just measuring everything. And for me, I've always been very experimental. Like let's test it. You know, let's see what happens if we send out this email or see what happens if we try this. And usually it will work. And if it doesn't, it gives you like some very clear insights about, hey, like what didn't work about this so we can try it next time. Mm-hmm. And I would say I've never had a single brand I've worked with where being inclusive, again, in an authentic way, has yeah. failed. It's never okay. gotten backlash. It's never led to a bunch of people unsubscribing or anything like that. Because again, it's not pandering. So for me, right. I would say performance marketing is coming up with experiments that you can test and you can objectively measure and then okay. just trying them out. And yeah. then you can see, hey, did we like make more money or not? Did we right. like get more customers like tagging us on social media or not? Did we get more awareness or whatever the the goal is right. of the campaign? Right. Were there any specific campaigns um, from a performance marketing standpoint that you were able to share how you were able to marry inclusion to that and and how it played out? Yeah, sure. So like with Greta, I just keep going back to that one because again, it's more recent. But we actually had a customer. She, um, you know, she grew up in a a very rural part of like the Ozarks, um, like okay. in Missouri. You know, yeah. again, not someone who is your stereotypical. Like this is the face of a multi million dollar direct to consumer brand, and she went extremely viral on TikTok. You know, just like raving about the product. So viral that we had to shut off our Facebook ads for two months because we were running wow. out of inventory. And like every single wow. time she talked about the product, people loved it because again, it was real. It was authentic. She's she's mm-hmm. not like an influencer, you know, from LA who probably talks about 10 brands a day, you know, and mm-hmm. has, you know, like a certain aesthetic. She was just a real mom, you know, who, mm-hmm. 
know, was on a budget and loved this product for X, Y, and Z reasons. And we were like, okay, well, like, what do we do with this? <laughs> you know, so we actually hired her, which like brings me to my next point, which is about the importance of having people in the room who can be those customer advocates. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a, probably not a secret, but I'm not a breastfeeding mother. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So for me, I was like, okay, well, I can try to, you know, highlight these voices as much as possible, but there's still going to be that disconnect. And right. having someone like that, who, again, probably would not be hired, frankly, by a lot of other brands in our space, but having someone like her, not only, you know, be cherished. We actually reached out to her. We of course like sent her free product. We like really like nurtured that relationship and we made sure to like make sure that she was compensated, you know, for right. like I'm saying being able to use her content that she produced, but actually offering her a job nice. that, you know, that not only changed her life, but changed the company. Because she, again, just going back to like the the insights that a company really needs from these people in order to truly be inclusive. She was able to give us so many just intimate details about being a mother on a budget in that part of the country. Right. You know, that is often ignored, to be honest. Yeah. Like most brands focus on people who live in LA and New York and, you know, have a certain lifestyle and all of that. And it was just really, really refreshing to hear from someone like that. So again, when people think of inclusivity, I feel like, especially nowadays, it's sort of, it comes with a very specific box that people have in mind. But like when I think of inclusivity, I think of including everyone mm-hmm. and having all voices heard and cherished and valued. And it is good business. And with that, you know, the company after we hired her went from probably two million to ten million within oh my two years. Um, it was a major, major turning point. And I really don't think that we would have been able to do it without her content that she produced, but also her her passion that she was able to bring into the company so that she can advocate for other moms like her. And there's millions of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious if you're able to share this. Did the team include other breastfeeding moms before she came on board? Or was it that she brought a very unique perspective from like a rural standpoint and and what that was like? We had other breastfeeding moms, um, including the wives of um, the two founders. Um, In fact, like Mm -hmm. one of them gave birth during all of this, you know, it's like just to go into the performance marketing piece, you know, right. the company actually started as a sports strength um, that was okay. primarily aimed at like CrossFit and yoga. And they were a client of mine at the agency I worked at. And my hunch when I started with them was that this would be a really good drink for soccer moms, essentially. Okay. It would be a really healthy, organic, electrolyte drink for athletic children. Okay. And then the parents could drink it themselves because it was low carb, no added sugar, organic, non-GMO, et cetera. And then some of those moms must have been breastfeeding because they began to form this organic, like viral traction with this drink. They began to tell all their friends about it. They began to tag all their friends who were pregnant. And again, going to the performance marketing piece and the importance of actually paying attention Mm -hmm. to your customer, that could have easily been ignored. And to the credit of the co-founders of the company, Mark and John, you know, a bunch of my clients, if I had brought that to them, they would have fired me. If I'm like, hey, like you have a sports drink, but I think that we should actually test targeting this towards breastfeeding moms who love this product for X, Y, and Z reasons. And they were like, sure, let's try it out. Yeah. And the company went from making 300K a year to almost 10 million. So again, if you're looking for a very extreme example of the importance of performance marketing and actually having that customer advocacy and intimacy, this is one example of many that I've seen. And like one of their wives was, pregnant at this time. 
Right. So we were able to essentially like see her entire journey as a breastfeeding mom and weave that into the marketing of the company, into my understanding of breastfeeding mothers. And like once we brought a Melissa on, on this woman who went viral on TikTok, it just gave us a more well-rounded view of motherhood that we were able to weave into the company. Yeah. So you talked about how the company went from like 300,000 and then there's like a 2 million point and then there was like a 10 million point, right? And such a lovely growth trajectory. And I know it's it feels like more and more we're talking about these success stories that feel like just these one-offs. But I feel like more and more we're starting to see that these are there's enough data points to where we're seeing like, this is the way it works, right? Like, so it's not like, um, so the, as you were talking about it and how basically this company started off with one customer in mind, but it turned out when they looked at the data um, and who was talking about the product, it was a different group that they had not considered. Not that they were trying to be exclusionary. It just so happened that there were different people who, latched on, <laughs> pun in, not intended, yeah. but it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Um, who latched onto this product for different reasons and the company leaned into it and it worked for them. The same thing happened with Stanley and the Stanley tumblers, right? Yeah. So yeah. they went from what, 70,000 to 750 million, right? Um, no, that's those numbers aren't quite right. But they went from a decent size to like, they 10X'd it. Totally. But they 10X'd it because they basically followed what was happening in the market and finally started to embrace other consumers who have this problem and they expanded it and to be more inclusive. So the lesson that I always want to leave people with is that don't get so married to who you think your customer is because oftentimes it can be another group you are not including. And whenever you start to include them, not only in your marketing Uh, like what is your message, but also include them in the process of developing how you're working and and building up your brand, then you can really get some exponential results. A hundred percent. And again, like you brought up a lot of really interesting points about the importance of having people in the room who, like basically the people who are sort of used to being ignored Mm -hmm. are probably the people who are more likely to find those things. Yeah. I have no idea about the marketing team or like Stanley or like who's like just like running the company. But, you know, I would say like, if I didn't have the experience that I've had, I don't know if I would have picked up on the, that nuance of like, wait, this product isn't a sports drink. Right. There's something else about it that I think is bigger than that. My hunch was that it would be more of a family hydration drink. Mm -hmm. And it ironically ended up becoming that, you know, these moms were bringing into the house and then their kids were drinking it, even though she brought it in for breastfeeding or her husband would drink it as a sports drink, but we didn't really market it that way. We like, because we wanted to focus on the customer that was it overlooked and ignored. The fact that there had never been any hydration brand ever to focus on the intense dehydration that moms face when they're pregnant and breastfeeding is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. But again, that shows the importance of inclusive marketing. If you are someone who actually wants to pay attention to ignored voices, it can lead to a ton of money. And I think that that's something that people ignore. And again, like, I mean, this is obviously a really extreme example. Right. But look at anti-beauty. You know, there is no reason that it took until, what, 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. for there to be a 
a diverse and inclusive range of cosmetics options yeah. for people with brown and black skin when most of the human race has brown and black skin. Yeah. And like Rihanna, as well as her team, you know, struck gold because they were like, well, hmm, that's a lot of people yeah. who have a huge problem that's being overlooked. Why don't we actually address that problem? Yeah. And, you know, she's a billionaire now, like many times over. Yeah. So again, when people are always pointing out to the one-off campaigns that didn't work, of, I mean, like the Bud Light example is obviously one that people point to is like, oh, you know, like don't ever do this or like go woke, go broke or whatever they right. say. It's like, okay. Right. But again, like it, it, it goes back to the authenticity piece and who your yeah. customer actually is. Like, like I said, if I was the chief marketing officer of Bud Light and someone brought that campaign, I was like, should we do this campaign? Is this something that our customers are going to care about? Or is this something that's going to sort of be more of an external like pat on the back that we're looking right. for? Like yeah. versus, you know, with the like Fenty Beauty example or with the Stanley Tumblr example or with the greater than example, it was authentic. They right. did listen to the actual customers in the market who were looking for a solution and they were able to match make the product with that. And yeah. I feel like that's how inclusive marketing should be done. Yeah, I think it's great. I love those examples and how you weave that all together. Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, can you tell me about a time when a brand made you, as a consumer, feel like you belonged? Ooh, that is a really, really good question. <laughs> One that so like just being transparent to the audience, like I feel like I almost don't shop as much as you think. I don't buy things online, like because I'm so immersed in it for work. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't. Yeah, when is the last time I actually bought something online? Um, <laughs> I would say there is this one company called Cause. I'm not even sure how they're pronounced, but I just love their clothes. It's I'm spelled C-O-S. Okay. Um, and what I've always really liked about them is, I'm like, one, I like the aesthetic of the clothes, but even though it is sort of like an accessible, like luxury, like fashion brand, they do have a pretty broad range of like people that they show. Mm-hmm. And I think like, again, going back to the authenticity piece, like very often when you hear of fashion brands being inclusive, it's usually like, okay, well, we have like, like 10 white models and there's one other. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of check every single box. Yes. You know? The and racially like, ambiguous person. <laughs> yeah. It's like the racially ambiguous person who, you know, has this aesthetic and maybe they have like something else. And I'm like, that's great. But... <laughs> I feel like there's so much more that can be done. So I've always really liked the like models that they use. I really like, you know, the range that they've shown on their website and all of that. So yeah, I would say like that's the one that comes to mind immediately. But let me think more about it because okay. I'm almost like so immune to like marketing yeah. and all of that. Or I like I overanalyze it from a from like a marketer standpoint. Right. I almost like, okay, well, this isn't like getting me to actually purchase. But yeah, yeah that wasn't a really good question. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. I know it's so it kind of throws people off a little bit. So, um, but I like it because it, it gets you to think from a different perspective. Um, okay, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work? So, our website is called Brand B R A N D Castle C A S T L E dot C O. There is a brandcastle.com, but they sell ice cream. <laughs> so, we are brandcastle.co. Um, if you are a brand looking to grow and scale your e-commerce business and or expand into stores. I'm also on LinkedIn at Brian Alston, B-R-Y-A-N-A-L-S-T-O-N. And we are going to be launching our own podcast in a few weeks called Omnichannel Roundtable, where we essentially talk about the secrets that we've learned in our experiences to help brands not only succeed online and off. So yeah, I would say 
on like LinkedIn as well as the brandcastle.co website is the best way to find me. All right. Well, I will have all the information in the show notes so people can find you super easily because I'm sure there's a lot to learn from your experiences. Brian, this has been a lot of fun. Any parting words of wisdom for marketers and business leaders who want to infuse inclusion into their marketing so they can be do a better job of serving more customers while also growing their business like some of these examples that we've talked about today? I mean, this is going to sound super basic, but I would say just being really open-minded like so often have I seen people shut off to the ideas of going after different customer bases than who just might be different than them or their friends or the people that they see on a daily basis, you know, or, you know, just like trying new things or taking a chance on that model or right. taking a chance on hiring that person, you know, who like might not be a quote unquote cultural fit, mm-hmm. you know, but could still bring a ton of insight and experience and wisdom to the company that again could lead to um, substantial revenue growth. So for me, again, I think that when inclusive um, like marketing is done right, as well as inclusive hiring, it can lead to tremendous um, like revenue growth, as well as a tremendous amount of um, like customer loyalty, which is right. um, like worth more than gold nowadays. Yeah. Thanks so much, Brian. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sonia. It was a pleasure. I really had a fun time chatting with Brian, and I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you enjoyed the show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. I recently got this super lovely review from Erwin Martz, MD, and I just wanted to share it with you. It says, super value, there's five stars, and Erwin says, I absolutely love this podcast The content here is amazing. Erwin, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to leave this review. And if you all decide to leave a review, I would so appreciate it and can't wait to give you a shout out here on the show. Also, are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter? Each week I send news, stories, tips, and other insights to help you build an inclusive brand that attracts and retains a diverse customer base. Go to inclusionandmarketing.com slash newsletter to get signed up. I will also include a link for that in the show notes for you. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.